All right. <laughs> this morning, I actually have a memory card. Uh, let's see if it works better than my memory. But we're technically not in Genesis this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews 11, 1 through 16. But we're still in Genesis. Um, you know, I read this recently, and I just go, man, this is way better commentary than anything I've ever taught or hoped to teach. So let's just do it this morning. I wanted to share it with you guys. I know you guys know it. You know, you've probably read Hebrews 11 um, many times. You've probably heard message on it many times. Um, but I think it's good to hear it again. I was just, it was just exciting to, to read this week. Um, but we're going to read the first 16 verses together. And the title of the message is By Faith and then the ellipsis. Dot, dot, dot. By Faith. By Faith. Um, you know, what, it, what Hebrews 11 says as you know, I think anyone can see, is it's very straightforward. It's very simple. But what it speaks is not only profound, but it is eternal. It's simple, but it's eternal. I think it's simple to say, simple to read. But when it comes into the way these things play out in our life, it's not always so simple to wait, is it? You know, uh, it says, by faith we inherit the promises of God. It's by faith and patience that we uh, have them. Because if we have faith, but we lose patience... Well, we're not going to really rely on faith anymore. And we've seen that time and again uh, through Genesis. And probably we could you know, all say time and again in our own lives that, man, I knew God was wanting me to wait to do this. And I did this instead. And I couldn't stand waiting anymore. You know, is the music over? <laughs> Woo-hoo, you know. <laughs> but um, again, what it speaks is eternal. You know, it's deep, it's profound. But it is the substance of real belief. That faith is real belief. Um, you know, like I said, I think it's been the most excellent commentary on Genesis. Um, Colossians 2.16-17 through 17 says, So let no one judge you in food or drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. You know, that verse talks about all the ordinances of the Old Testament, all the law, all the sacrifice, all the ritual, was just a shadow of heaven. It's as if heaven was one of those overhead projectors in the old days, and you had all the true sacrifice, the true ordinances of faith and a relationship with God. And the light of God shines through them. And then when it casts down on the earth, it creates this shadow of the tabernacle, of the covenant, of the Ten Commandments, of the blood sprinkled, of the bronze uh, wash basin, of all these things, of the new moons, of the Sabbaths, was just a shadow of what the reality of heaven was. And by faith, through the shadow, you could kind of get a glimpse of what heaven was like. Well, like Paul said, we see now through a glass darkly. We see through really heavy, tinted, frosted lenses, a bad prescription, so to speak, because it's tainted by sin and the world and our flesh, and we can't quite see through the veil. Uh, but I did read another verse recently that I uh, read with Ashley tonight that said that just like the veil was torn in the temple, Jesus' body was the veil to heaven. That through his body being torn and ripped open, he went and through, uh, through to the holy place to heaven. And through that same veil, we can pass through and get to the most holy place. But just like the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, obviously the sacrifice of animals and rituals like we talked about was a shadow of the New Covenant, Jesus' sacrifice uh, of the covenant and also our sanctification for him. But in that Old Covenant... In that Old Testament, quote-unquote old, you know, to the Jewish people, it's still current. You know, they haven't received the, the new covenant yet, but that's what God wants for them. 
But we find the new covenant faith even in the old covenant times because that faith is the same faith. It's the same faith throughout the entire volume of the Bible. People who truly believed in God went through the sacrificial system knowing that a Messiah would come one day. Knowing that every year they'd have to go back because this sacrificial system did not save them in and of itself, but it was a placeholder for the things to come. You know, I saw this thing on, uh, online. I don't know where I saw it. It was a news article or one of those like fail videos. But, uh, you know, someone's driving through a parking lot and they're trying to find a space in a crowded garage. And all of a sudden, these ladies come running over and stand in the spot that he was going to get into. And he's like, move. And they say, no, no, no. You know, <laughs> they were running over to save the spot for their car to come in. And that's kind of cheating, you know? You kind of have to be in a car to save a spot. I don't know. But it would be a little kind of upsetting. But these people knew if we go over and we get in that spot, it'll be ours. And that's the same thing with the Old Covenant. If, if they knew, if they ran over and got in this spot, that when the Messiah came, they would be ready. That even if they died, they knew that their faith was in the Messiah and not in uh, the sacrificial system. And, and unfortunately, through years of relying on the sacrificial system and looking to it instead of looking to the one who made it, um, they lost their way. But what is faith? You know, if you Google faith or Yahoo or Bing or Lycos, whatever's still out there, Hotbot was my favorite back in the day. But if you hotbotted faith, complete trust or confidence in something or someone. That makes sense. Complete trust or confidence. Hey, I have faith, you know, that you're a good driver and I'll get in the passenger seat. I remember being in the passenger seat with one of my friends in high school, and I did not have faith they were a good driver because they were not a good driver. And so I'd be hanging on, slow down, watch out, you know, because it was, it was scary. Maybe that was your mom or my mom when we were learning how to drive. I'm not going to hit the curb, mom. Uh, but faith, the, this is an interesting one. It says, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension, that's knowledge or grasp, uh, rather than proof. That it's almost this connotation in a worldly sense that believing in something is without any evidence. That we put our faith in God, but there's no evidence of him. You know, we put our faith in our religion, but there's no evidence that it has any substance to it. And that's sort of the way the world looks at it. And I think the Bible would say something similar, but the heart is very different there. Because to have blind faith is sort of, maybe you're ignoring the facts. Maybe the facts are out there, but you don't want to believe it because you like your faith so much. But that's not our faith, guys. We know that our faith is based on fact, is based on evidence. It's clearly seen, Romans says, that there is a God, there is a creator, and Jesus' bones aren't anywhere. You know, are we believing without proof? I think sometimes in a relationship we do because it's based on trust. You know, I don't have any proof that, you know, uh, my wife hasn't gone behind my back on anything. You know, the bank account's the same as it was. You know, I know where she was, you know, but like I haven't checked her cell phone records. I haven't checked the GPS navigation history to see where she went and where she's been because I trust her. I know, you know. And if there was, I know God would handle it, <laughs> you know, and he would tell me and then I would be upset. But the same thing, but that's the same thing. I don't have to worry about that because we have a relationship. We trust each other. We love each other. Same thing with God. I don't, I don't need to go around proving God because he's proven himself already. And even if he doesn't show up in the time that I think he does, I know that he's God. And, you know, I was sharing with Ashley the other day, you know, uh, we share our testimonies so often. So often I've shared my testimony over the years about how all the deep and dark stuff that I was into and what God saved me from. And I think sometimes... I know that that's good, but I think sometimes when people hear that, they tend to think, oh, I was never that bad, or I never did that. So your faith is good because it took you from that 
to that. And that's why you believe. That's not why I believe. I don't believe because I was bad and I was made good because it's God who is good. I believe because it was the truth. And because it was the truth, that's why I believed in it. And because I believed in it, I was rescued from these things. And I think sometimes the emphasis is on the change, so to speak, you know, whatever that is, as opposed to the fact that it is real. It doesn't matter what I used to look like to what I look like now. That's a great side effect. But what matters is the fact that God is God. God is real. Jesus is who he says he was. And even if you don't believe those things, the fact that Jesus existed, so you have to go back and consider, well, there was a man named Jesus, and, and that's a fact. He did impact the world. He did say these things, and he's either, you know, a madman, or he's telling the truth. Madman, a liar, or he's really God, as it's been said. And what do you take on faith? What do you take on faith? You know, we kind of take money on faith, right? kind of to have faith that our debit card will work at the store and then when it doesn't work we kind of go uh-oh do i have a backup <laughs> you know i have faith that there's money still on my account and the bank didn't just all of a sudden one day say oh i'm gonna close your account because whatever reason it's happening on twitter nowadays when they don't like what you say wait until they close your bank account because they don't like what you say oh that won't happen oh it will keep reading but what is belief belief is an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists Belief is trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. So it's very similar to, to, uh, to faith. But it's more based on reality. Because we can have faith in a lot of things, but faith needs to turn into belief when it's based on true things. You know, uh, sometimes we use believe in a, in a way that's sort of, like, we're not totally sure. Someone asked me, you know, did you send that email? I say, well, I believe so. <laughs> Let me go check my history. Oh, yes, I definitely did. Here it is. April 4th, you know, 3 o'clock. But why do we believe? Is it faith or is it proof? You know, John 20, 24, 31, I won't read the whole thing, but it's when Thomas shows up and the disciples tell him that Jesus was there and he didn't believe him. He said, I need to see the holes in his hands and the holes in his side. And Jesus then shows up later and says, Peace to you. Reach your finger in here, Thomas, and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus replied, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, the truth that Thomas believed in was the same truth that the other disciples believed in. And the other disciples had the benefit of Jesus actually showing up. So I think Thomas kind of gets a bad rap because he showed up and they believed. And then Thomas was like, I need to see it too. But Thomas, Thomas needed to, to go a step further. Thomas needed to touch the holes and see the whole hand in the side. And I think sometimes we can take that as, you know, a genuine seeking God. You know, I need to see God show up. I need God to show me a sign. I need God to do this fleece in my life, as we say, for me to believe. But man, can we just believe in what his word says? Can we just believe on the word of others who have seen him? Do we have to put God to the test so much that we would say, Jesus, can you lift up your shirt a little bit? You know, let me see a little bit in there. But we believe in the same Lord, and Thomas is in heaven. He believes the Lord just like we do. But we haven't seen. She says, man, there's more blessing in that. Yeah, you'll believe this way. And you'll come to faith this way, actually having to put your hand in my side. But you're going to feel so much more blessed if you can just simply believe without having to stick your hands in it. And how often do we get in trouble in lives because we don't believe something's going to work, so we have to stick our hands in it to see if it works. You know, oh, 
I just got my hand all greasy and I didn't, you know, I should have just trusted it was working. You know, I didn't really need to stick my hand on there. I could have just looked and believed. But with that, just because it's fact doesn't mean we can't still have faith in it. Um, doesn't mean we can't still, I don't know what I mean, but basically like, you know, we believe our brakes are going to work every time in our car, hopefully, you know, if you kept up the maintenance and they've worked in the past. That still doesn't mean they're not going to break the next time you press them. You know, who says the pedal's not going to break? Who says it's not been worn out by all the other times? But you still have faith in it, and we take these things for granted in everyday life. Um, but with that, just because someone believes in something doesn't make it true. Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, people believe real hard in those things, and it ain't real. The promises of a politician, where sometimes people believe they look good in a certain outfit or haircut. <laughs> you can believe that all you want, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, hey, as long as you like it, right? On the other side, just because someone believe it to be fact doesn't make it fact. You can believe all day want. It doesn't make it true. You know, the theory of evolution, it's basically you replace theory with the word belief. You know, the fairy tale of evolution or climate change science, you know, I'm not saying not necessarily getting warmer, but the fact that you won't even listen to an opposing argument kind of raises suspicion in my mind. Sounds a bit like a dictatorship. You know, I'll listen to an opposing argument and I'm not going to believe it, but I'll still listen to it. Or infomercial promises. Oh, your life is all black and white and in trouble until you get, oh, Swiffer, you know, or the shark or whatever it is. But when, and then you end up believing the commercial and you end up giving them 1995 three times a month or whatever it is. <laughs> but when we do believe something, it is usually because we trust the person telling us. That's huge in advertising, is that your brand spokesperson is someone you trust. You see these people who are brand spokesmen and then they get in trouble for something like the Dell guy or the Subway guy and then all of a sudden they've got to change all their advertising because they don't want to be associated with someone who's not trustworthy or is worse than not trustworthy. You know, we tend to trust a friend or family member who's shown themselves faithful to us. You know, a lot of times uh, in the world when someone breaks our trust, they say, you have to earn my trust again. And I, in a sense, I get that. But man, it's like, at some point, you just have to trust them because everyone's going to fail each other again. You know, everyone's going to blow it. Sometimes we just trust out of naivete, you know. You go in the city and a guy's like, you know, I'll, I don't know what it is. They're trying to sell you something on the side of the road. And, oh, it's a real handbag. Oh, $400, sure. And it was made in Titoboro, you know? I don't, I don't know. It's not really made in Italy. A child with their parents, you know, it's so important that uh, maintain the trust of our children over the years because they believe it's sort of just sort of now. But one day it's going to come and they're going to begin to question us. And sometimes they even do now. Like, why? I'm like, well, because you're going to get run over, you know? Or an honest mechanic, you know, you want to find someone you can trust. And sometimes we just trust because we've seen it with our own eyes, like Thomas here. You know, with our eyes, especially our spiritual eyes this morning, let's look to the faith of those who have gone before us, that our faith might become focused. Because we don't have a blind faith. We don't have a faith where we, we're by ourselves. We have a faith where many have gone before us. And I think this morning, I pray this morning, we'll see some of the faith of those who have gone before us. So, Father, this morning we pray you'd help us look to you. And God, we can look to you through sacrifice and ordinance of the Old Testament. We can look to you through Jesus. That's the one main way to look to you, the only way to be saved. But God, we can look to those who have gone before us by looking through their lives to see how you showed up in them. We don't put our faith in Abraham, but we can have the same faith of Abraham and the others. So, God, this morning increase our faith and help us uh, take courage, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, and we're going to take these in, in little bites, some a little bit bigger, some a little bit smaller, but first three verses say, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony, and by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. You know, right away, it's a better definition of um, than Google gives us. You know, it says, now faith is, dot, 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 the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That it, faith is the evidence that these things exist, that they are real. Just because we haven't seen them, the faith in them when they're real is the evidence that it carries through because real faith will carry through. You know, false faith doesn't, doesn't make it. At some point, it's going to fall apart. If our faith is not in the right thing, eventually it will falter. You know, if our faith is in the timing of God rather than the fact that God promised something, then our faith will fail at some time, like uh, Abraham and uh, Sarah. It's the substance. It's the evidence. It's the physical evidence of God's promise. It's the physical evidence because I can't see it. I know it's coming, and the evidence is that it's coming is that I've got a secure faith, and that's coming. Is that this peace of God, when we have faith in him, surpasses all understanding. That even though we don't understand how it's going to happen, we have peace like it already has happened. Because in a way, if God's told us it's going to happen, it has happened already. We just have to get there. Numbers 23, 19 through 20 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I've received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. That we have physical evidence because God is faithful. And we can trust him. You know, it's like if God says that he's going to do it. And, and sometimes I think we don't have faith because maybe we don't think the promise is a blessing. But the truth is, every promise of God is a blessing for us. There's no promise necessary to curse us. There's a promise that cursing will come in your life, you know, if you reject the promise. But a curse is, is not what God promises for us. It's a blessing. It's what he promises for us. And having a good faith in God's promise of blessing always leads to a good testimony. You can't truly believe in Jesus and have a bad testimony. You might have a bad season. Your testimony might be kind of messy right now. But if you continue believing in him, it'll be beautiful one day. It'll be something that, wow, people will look on and say, there's no explanation for that other than God. Having faith in God and his blessing will lead to good character. And it will lead, ultimately, to a blessed life. You may not have received the blessing that God has promised to you yet, like physically, Abraham didn't re receive the promised child yet, but his life already receives the blessing of it because he knows it's coming. It's already like, I guess, is, I guess this, will, this will be the way. I didn't want to talk about it, but I guess it, you know, it makes sense. Um, I am now part of the other class of people that own a trailer. I have not received the trailer yet, but I put my deposit down and I will receive it soon. But I'm walking around the blessed life, ask my wife and going, oh, they have a trailer too. You know, I have a trailer. You know, is there one in my driveway? No. You know, my neighbors lament the fact that there's probably one in my driveway for five weeks? Maybe. But, you know, I'm going to try and park it a little farther back. But the point is that I have the life of a guy who has a trailer, just like the people who actually have the trailer. You know, I can pretend I'm towing it around and everything, but I don't yet have it yet. And that's a silly example, a small example. The same thing when we have the promises of God. When we have the guarantee of God, I have the guarantee in my hand that one's coming. And legally, I'd have recourse if it didn't came didn't come the same way they'd have legal recourse if I didn't fulfill the rest of the payment. But the point is that's the same way with God. When God gives us that promise, 
we can walk around like we've got it. Because the promise is all we need. If we need to wait around for the actual trailer or the chair or whatever God has promised us, well then, you know, we're missing the point. Because these things fade, but His promise is eternal. We may not know what exactly it'll look like. We may only have an idea of what it looks like from the line items of the promise. But we know that's coming. And we already have it. This is as good as gold. And that's the Word of God. This is, if we walk around with the Word of God, it's like we're in heaven already. We're on earth, but we've got a home. We're on earth, but we've got eternal, eternal life. And I think sometimes we walk around as believers like we don't have any of it. Like well, there's no promise in our life. That there's no hope. There's no future. But even if you won't have a 401k, even if you won't have a retirement, you've got a hope in a future. And that's heaven. That's, that's the only thing I'm hanging on to because I'm thinking about being a Walmart greeter when I'm 80. If Walmart still exists, if people still work in stores, you know, if there's even an economy. But it's like the thought of, well, I know that I, I'll get through it. it. It might be hard. It might be tough. I may not like it. But at least when I die 10 years later, I'll be in heaven. You know, it's like it'll be over one day. You know, that sounds kind of morbid, but hey, you know what? It's not going to matter. Not name it, claim it. Not a, not a word of faith, but faith in the word. And if that's the case, how do we even get faith? Well, we know this, Romans ten seventeen. read it recently, it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. By hearing. Words are something that we cannot see, you know, unless you have one of those cool spectral things where they can actually see pressure or waves and things of that nature. It's kind of cool photography. I forget what it's called. But that's what God, God spoke the world with his voice. You know, there's this string theory about, you know, this is something I heard years ago. It's probably outdated by now, but it talks about even below all the quarks and all the mini particles that are part of particles, there's these little waves and there's a bunch of different ones and they each vibrate at different frequencies. It's a theory, you know, I don't say it's real. But I go, could that be the voice of God? When God spoke the world into being and it went out, vibrating through and everything just becomes creation from his voice. You know, and all this is just the echo of his voice through the chasm, the chasm of the universe. I don't know. But it gets me excited to think about it. And I'm just part of his voice being spoken out. I'm just a note in the song that he's playing. I love it. But just like we need to hear the word of God, we need, to, we need to receive the promises of God by faith, by the word of God. Not by a prayer shawl, not by any of these things that they might offer you. Not by works, but by faith. You know, the word of God shows us that faith was proven to be fact and not fiction. Prophets were stoned in the Old Testament if they preached a word of faith that didn't come to pass. And I believe why? Because they caused people to put their faith in things that have no substance. The prophet was to speak forth the words of God and people were to put faith in the word of God. And when they didn't, when the prophet said, oh, things of good are going to come, God's going, no, 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 no. Things aren't going to be good. Things are going to be bad. And people begin to think, oh, things are going to be good. And then bad things happen. What happens? They lose their faith in God. They, say, they don't say, oh, the prophet was wrong. They say, oh, God's not right. And how often does that happen? People come to church and they listen to what someone says and maybe it's wrong or maybe they promise them something that's not going to be. Maybe it was even well-intentioned. But when it doesn't come to be, a lot of times people come to hear the word of God. They lose their faith in God. They say, oh, the preacher fell. 
oh, this happened at church. This believer let me down. I don't believe in God anymore. And that seems to be the biggest thing. It's not that people trusted in God and that God let them down. That, that, does, that does happen. But a lot of times I think it's, well, I trusted in God and then someone else let me down. Well, where was your trust? Was it in that perfection of a pastor? Was it in the confidence of a friend who failed you? Where was it? Because true faith is going to have to hang on even when leaders do fail us. Even when friends do let us down. Because God will never do. And sometimes God has to let those people let us down in our lives that we might gain real faith in Him. That our faith might be tried and tested and put in the one that we can truly trust in. We need to grow up and put our trust in God. I'll let my kids down one day. I'm sure I already have plenty of times. But one day, their faith, they, believe, they believe in God as kids do. But one day, they're gonna have, it's going to have to be their own faith. Despite what Daddy has done. We're not done. But what do the prophets of our day and age tell us to put our faith in? What sort of substance is there? Is it just the social gospel that we talked about? Just make everything equal and make sure that the poor have food and take from the rich and give to the poor and then no mention of salvation. No mention of the cross. No mention of being totally lost and destitute and poor and naked and wretched and blind without Jesus. Is it just being healthy, wealthy, and wise? Your best life now. Just come to God and you'll have white teeth. No, I came to God and I've lost teeth. And I'm going to probably lose more teeth. But that doesn't put my... I pray, God, God, please fix my teeth, heal my teeth. Uh, te- new teeth haven't showed up in my mouth. But you know what? He's provided for the dentist a few times. There's no pain in my mouth right now, thankfully. There's not a lot of nerves left. But, <laughs> but sincerely, man, you know, like... If all I'm, all I'm waiting for is a pearly white smile now, I'm going to miss out on pearly white gates, I think, and the pearly white smile of Jesus when I get to heaven. I know that's a silly example, but sincerely, a lot of times we let little things like that trip us up and hold us back. You know, God, why am I going through this? Well, because it's life. Uh, it might sound hard, and it might be hard. And even if life is harsh, God will not be harsh. God will sustain you through the tough time. How do I know? Because it's in the Bible. How do I know a little bit? You know, it's, it's so funny. It's like I've, the few hard times I've been through in life give me a little bit of faith. But it's not as, it's not as like comforting as just knowing, that seeing the things that have happened in the Bible, knowing that the Bible is true. The Bible is where I get my comfort, not from my real comfort, not from my past experience with God. Because we can't drink from old wells. It's like it's going to go stale. It's going to go bitter at some point. You know, there's so many other things that they say too. You know, they say like, your truth is truth, brother. You know, it's wrong. You know, truth is not relative. If you say truth is relative, you just lied because you said that there's an absolute truth. You know this, that there's an absolute, you just made an absolute truth that truth is relative. But then that negates itself because you can't have an absolute truth that truth is relative. So it's like, just stop talking because none of it makes sense. (laughs) You know, just go back to your drugs or whatever you want to do. (laughs) Do your life and don't think about truth because you're not... You're not seeking it. Because if you're really seeking it, you're going to find out that truth is truth, and truth exists, and that truth is Jesus. Because I went down that path. I searched for it all. I searched for any reason to try and say that truth isn't truth, and I couldn't, I couldn't escape it. You know, and God made everything out of nothing, like we said, by simply 
his word. And if you don't believe it, read Job 38. And Job was kind of questioning God, and God goes, Job, <laughs> where were you? You know, we've talked about this before. Where were you, Job, when I did all these things? But the truth is, you don't have to believe it. I think we try and make other people believe it. Like, you have to believe it. Well, if you want to go to heaven, you have to believe it, but you don't have to believe it. You have a choice now. You can choose not to believe the word of God. Even as a believer, you can choose not to receive the promises of him and trust in the promises, but you're going to miss out. In the long term, you're going to miss out. You may have the sin that's fun for a season now, but you're going to miss out of the blessing of the promise in the end. You know, you might go out and date as many people as you want, but you'll miss out on the blessings of a marriage and a committed relationship, and you wonder why, you know, you've lost all hope and happiness. But when we don't believe something or someone, it's because we believe something or someone else. You know, Jesus said, you either for me or against me. And Star Wars would say that makes him a Sith. But he's not, there's absolute truth. If you don't believe me, that's fine. You're going to believe someone else. If you don't believe someone else, you're going to believe someone else. It might just be you. And that's what humanism is all about. It's, I believe me. But what does the Bible say? Your heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? God knows it. Because we all know that we lie to ourselves. Like I said, oh, look at how buff I look in the mirror. And then we go out and we catch ourselves, you know, like in the reflection of wherever. And we go, <laughs> you know, don't take a picture with me. <laughs> you know, but I can get that selfie at that perfect angle and everyone else will believe I look a certain way. And then, you know, then you meet on that dating app and it's like, I mean, I wouldn't know from experience, but it's like, you're not what you're showing yourself to be. Because your whole worldview is dictated by what you believe and conversely what you don't believe. You know, you can't, everyone says coexist, but you can't. You can't believe all these things because they contradict. They contradict. And if you say, oh, well, then let's just get rid of the stuff that contradicts. Well, then you're not believing in any of it. You're believing in what you want to believe. You know, I think that it's because we look at things that we, we look at things from our perspective instead of God's perspective. And we're so tiny, we're so small, we're so close to a situation in our lives that we can't even see the, you know, uh, I love this part about like the electrons. We can't, even, we can't even see the other things orbiting around us. Like when you look with an electron microscope, apparently, or other items to zoom in really close, everything's really far apart. You know, you got some protons, neutrons, and then there's an electron over there that they're not sure if it's a wave or if it's an actual particle because it does both and they're not sure it jumps, you know. But it's like the distance is like looking at the sun to Pluto. It's like planetary distances. It's not solid. There's nothing in between them. It's like the vacuum of space, but in a molecular size. And yet somehow when you get up to our perspective, the molecules in my hand do not go through the molecules of this thing. I can see it. You know, it's, and yet at a molecular level, it's like barely nothing at all. And I think that's us with the Lord. We look at things from our perspective and it, God, it's barely nothing at all. There's nothing here. It's a vacuum. It's empty. It's dead space. And God, from his perspective, goes, what are you talking about? It's this beautiful, wonderful thing that's solid, that's firm, that's sure. Look at it from my perspective. But we can only do that from faith. Because we can't zoom up like Ant-Man and see things from God's perspective. And that's what faith is. Seeing things the way God sees them from his perspective. And, and how do we get his perspective? From the word of God. St. Kings 6, 14, 17 says, The king of Syria sent horses down. We know the story. The servant of Elisha goes out and goes, We're surrounded by the armies. And Elisha goes, No, we're not. 
God opened his eyes, and when he opens his eyes, what do you see? He says, flame, uh, angels and flaming chariots all around them. Why shouldn't you? This king of Syria was no match for the king of heaven. And do you want to see what, as God sees? Then we need to pray. Pray that he would open your eyes. Pray that he would open your friend's eyes and your family's eyes. And God, would you do that this morning? Open our friends' and our family's eyes. Open strangers' eyes to your faith, to you, God, that you're real and that you love them and care for them in Jesus' name. But verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, though which, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. That even though Abel is dead, his faith still speaks. And that shows that his faith was real, and that God is real, because God still speaks through a man that's long gone. And it says, By faith... Abel offered. Um, I think we can even jump back to Adam and Eve that they still had faith even when Abel was dead that they had another son, Seth, that they knew that God's promise would still come even though their son was dead and their other had become a murderer. But the sacrifice itself didn't make Abel righteous. It showed that Abel was made righteous by his faith. Abel offered the sacrifice of faith because he had the faith to offer the sacrifice. And he had the faith to offer the sacrifice because he knew that that's what God wanted. God doesn't delight in burnt offering, we know that, but in obedience. And obedience is the evidence of relationship. And it was God testifying of his gifts, it says, that God was testifying through the sacrifice that God had gifted Abel with faith. That it was God's sacrifice coming and that God's sacrifice was the righteous sacrifice. You know, God stood up for Abel. To Cain, God stands up for Abel through his through the message that he preaches even today. You know, Acts 7, 55-56, But Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing on the right hand of God, said, Look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And Jesus stood up when Stephen was being stoned and welcomed to heaven. And God stood up for Stephen when his faith led him to stand up uh, for God. God was standing and testifying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He stood there in the furnace with them. And, they, and I love what they said. They said, even whether God rescues us or not, it doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down to you because whatever God does, if God lets us die or God rescues us out of this furnace, um, our faith is in him and his decision. Uh, verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken away so he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken. That Enoch's faith led him to be raptured, led him to be taken up to heaven before death, led him to escape this life because he walked so close with God. And it says, Enoch was taken because he pleased God. How did he please God? By faith. Enoch's faith drew him closer to the Lord. As close as you can get, drew him all the way to heaven. I, man, Lord, increase my faith. I'll go to, whoo, go to heaven right now. Sorry, guys. You guys, start believing. But James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That Man, we want God to be near. We want to see God for who he is. Well, we need to be drawn near to him. He needs to draw near to us. We can't make ourselves look like God. We can't make ourselves see God. Like the world tries to through religion and practice and ritual. In fact, we get further from God. But the more we rely on faith, the more we see him. Pure in heart, we'll see God. 
The church that pleases God is one that has faith in Him, and the one that has faith in Him is the one that pleases Him, and the one that pleases Him will be the one that's raptured. Now, there are going to be people who claim to be believers who aren't going to get raptured. Why not? They didn't have faith. They had works, but they were dead. You know, the, uh, the world is not even going to believe, even when that, happen, even when that happens, happens. Even though the world puts their faith in what they can see, they're going to not put it in the fact that the church left. They're not going to put it in the word of God causes. They're going to say, oh, aliens took them, or the earth opened up. And they're going to put faith in a man that they can see. And that man is going to be the enemy himself. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The way we spiritually discern things is with our faith. And does your faith or belief testify that you are natural or spiritual? Someone looks on and looks at the faith in your life, can they say, is this person born again? Or is this person like everyone else? Do they claim to be spiritual, but there's no faith in their life? There's no true faith? You know, from where have you been born? Well, the evidence, your passport, will be your faith. Just like Enoch, whoop, went to heaven. I guess I've been listening to Gail Irwin or something. I'm making noises, but how can we believe God if we haven't come to him? How can we believe him if we haven't come to him? Verse 7. How do we come to him? By faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. It says, by faith, Noah was divinely warned. Noah had faith. God looked down and was going to destroy the world. He saw Noah, who had faith, and God warned Noah. If Noah didn't have faith, he never would have been in a place to hear God's warning. God probably would have even warned everybody, but no one would have heard it. And what did he do? Well, he moved with fear. He moved with the reverence of God, the fear of God's Almighty. And when God brings judgment, it's not a joke. But also, I think, with fear, like, I've got to get us out of here. I've got to get my family out of here. I've got to get them to a safe place. You know, we hear oh, wars coming. You know, you probably don't want to stick around if you've got a family. Like Jesus said, you know, in those last days, you know, don't even go back to your house. If you're in the field and it happens, flee. Like, don't go home. You don't have time for that. You know, James 2, 14 through 18, you know, what if his prophet brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, you know, can faith save him? He goes on, a brother or sister naked or destitute of daily food, and one who says to him, depart in peace, be warned, be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is the profit? You know, if Noah said he heard from God that God was going to judge the world, and he didn't immediately go out and start building an ark, how much faith would he have? Would he really care about his family if he wasn't doing that? But it's interesting that it says that it also condemned the world because it revealed that they didn't have any faith. The fact that he was building a boat and they were out gallivanting condemned them. Not in the fact that you ain't getting on this boat, but the fact that you don't want anything to do with this boat. It shows which way you're headed. It shows you're headed for destruction. 2 Corinthians 2, 15-16 says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Paul says that, man, when we have faith in God, we begin to smell like God. And when we smell like God, we smell like his redemption. And to others who are being saved, we go, oh yeah, that's the barbecue of heaven. I can't wait. That Your life is a sacrifice and it smells like heaven. You've 
given up all these things, you've given up on these things, and you've put your faith, and you're letting God let you stay in this tough situation, I can smell that. And because I'm going to heaven too, that smells excellent. Keep it up, brother. But just one in the world goes, you don't do that anymore? Ugh. What? Ugh. Really? You don't, you just drink water? You just drink soda? You don't drink anything with alcohol in it? You don't do this? You don't, that stinks. Ugh, get out of here. Ugh, get out of here. Faith? Because it condemns them. What they smell is their own rot. They begin to, because it's such a sweet smell, they begin to smell how bad they smell. You know, it's like you begin to get self-conscious around someone who's like a bodybuilder or has really good perfume. You see they have shiny teeth and you go, I didn't brush my teeth today. I brushed my teeth today. But sincerely, you go, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the same thing with the world. They go, hey, yeah, I stink. But they blame you for their stench. Well, you smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> I think that that was the problem, you know, it says, uh, all right, here we're going, I'm skipping ahead my notes, and yeah, we definitely, we got let's go, <laughs> verse 8, uh, by faith, let me go, you're not holding me up, I'm holding you up, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going, praise the Lord, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him the same promise. They weren't born yet, guys. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Abraham obeyed, and Abraham went out. And by faith, he received the inheritance. But it was only by faith. He couldn't receive the promises God had for him. He couldn't receive the promised land if he never left his own land. He couldn't receive heaven if he never left his earthly kingdom. Right? Not knowing exactly where he was going on the map. You know, Abraham was like, I don't know where we're going, Sarah. We're just going. But he knew that there was a place. He didn't know where it was, but he knew if he went, he'd find it. Because God would bring, it to, bring him to it. By faith, he lived in a foreign country. He was in the land that God promised to him, but it wasn't his yet. Think about that. You're like, I know this is my town, but I pay. You know, it's like you're not the mayor. You know, you've got to pay taxes to somebody else. You know, it's like the millennial kingdom. We know this, this will be ours again, but right now we've got to pay taxes to some other king. But by faith, he knew that it would be his one day. That even if it wasn't his now, and even if he was just living in a tent and he didn't have his mansion yet, he still knew it was his. Because it says that his faith pointed him to a heavenly city that hadn't yet been built on earth. And that he was a founding father, and he was a piece of the foundation of the kingdom to come. That Abraham was the foundation of Israel to come. That's, but that's just the shadow, like we talked about before. The substance of Christ. Because 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8 says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but by chosen by God, precious, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And it goes on. But it says that we are build, being built up as a city to God. As a city for him to dwell in. And each of us is a building block in it. And it makes you think of the Tower of Babel, that man, that's why God didn't like it. Because it was an affront to faith. It was a city of people put together by people with faith in anything but the one that they should have faith in. Let's go on. 11 and 12 says, By faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed. And that's really interesting. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. It says, by faith, 
Sarah received strength to conceive. It wasn't just she didn't believe and God plopped a baby in her belly. It says that she believed and that was the conduit for it to happen. Just like Mary. Because she judged God faithful. That's why she believed. She looked at God and she said, this guy's faithful. What he says to me is true. And I think that that's why we all got married because the person across from us, we judge them to be faithful. This person's going to stick around, so I'm going to make a comment. I'm going to make a commitment to them. It's like we, we, we might have been in relationships in the past where we loved them and cared about them, but either we weren't faithful, so they split, or they weren't faithful, so we split. And Thankfully, because now we're with the one who is faithful. And her faith in the seemingly naturally impossible was because she looked at God, and again, realized that he's faithful, because if he says it, he will do it. Just may not be in our time or the way we expect. Therefore, know, Deuteronomy 7, 9, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God promised to them generations to come, and they didn't even have a baby yet. Well, God is faithful. How is that going to be? Because God is faithful. And do we judge God to be faithful? And why do we even need to judge him at all? You know, she laughed. And he said, why do you laugh? And then she believed. Because he saw her. He met her. We don't need to judge God. He's already judged himself at the cross. Verse 13. These then all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declared plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to, to return, to go back. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. You know, it says that all these people, they all died in faith. They did not see Jesus come. They all died before he came. But they saw it afar off. And it says that that was why they called themselves uh, sojourners and pilgrims. Because even though they were in this life, even though they had some of the promise now, the promise that they were truly waiting for was a little ways away. Was a cross on the other side. And they knew that this was not their home. They had not reached a destination yet. Like we talk about, we're, we're, we can't wait to go to Montana. I mean, we, we can wait because we, we're going to miss you guys. And I don't want to think about it. You know, we're missing our family and actually being out there and being far away. But we have a trailer, so we can come back anytime we want. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Let's go back. You know? <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe I'll have to sell the trailer. I don't know. And then I won't be able to think about the land from whence I came, you know? I'm not, uh, but sincerely, we know that even if we go there, even if God blesses us with a house and I spend the rest of my days there, that's not my final home. You know, whether I move ten more times or no more times, I'm going to move one more time, like, like we talked about, going to heaven. And that's my home. When I get to heaven, yeah, I can plop down. I can put pictures on the wall. I can do all that stuff. Because I don't have to ever pick them up again. I won't ever have to pack again. Mm. Praise the Lord. I won't ever have to get rid of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I won't ever have to, you know, like, because I'm home. And that's why I'm willing to move. That's why I'm willing to go. That's why I'm willing to risk it. Because I have a home. I have a father. I have a best friend who's never going to leave me or forsake me. And if he says go, I don't have to understand it. I go. It's like other people in the world move for their job. This ain't my job. But I'm moving for it. says, they all died in faith, not having received the promises. They had faith in a promise, and they died before they got it. You know, imagine if you won the lottery, and you just, I can't wait to win this, and then you die. You don't even get to spend it. 
but they get to spend it in heaven. Because they didn't receive the final promise of their faith until they died. The covenant wasn't fully ratified until it says there's a death of a testator, a death of the one who made the covenant. Like, you don't get the will until the guy who has the will dies. And when we need to die to receive eternal life, unless the rapture happens, then we kind of get a free out. And I think we're going to get that free out. But true faith will go beyond death. True faith will go right through death and not be faced. The eternal inheritance of faith is on the other side of death. We may get some of it filled now, but man, I love having my kids now, but what I really want is my kids in heaven. I can't picture heaven without you. That's what I want for them. It's great to have them now. It's been a promise fulfilled to me, but what I really want fulfilled is my children with me forever, and more importantly, with him forever. And they may not even be my kids. You know, We may not have another child, but man, we know that God is going to do stuff where we're going to hopefully be able to bless other children. And then by faith, like Paul says, my, my children in heaven, right? Jesus didn't have any children on earth, but he's got more kids than, than anyone can count, right? But will your faith carry you over the other side? And we're going to close here in a second. Joshua 1, 1 through 9, it says, And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Oh, boy. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Uh, from the wilderness, and, uh, and go on. He says, Be of strong and good courage. For this people you shall devise an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. They may prosper wherever you go. Uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written, that you may live out the promise. For you may make your way prosperous, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be of strong and good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God said, okay, covenant's still good. You get to carry it now, Joshua. But in order for you to carry it, in order for you to receive it, you have to cross over and you have to do what it says. You can't expect to receive my promise if you don't walk in it, if you don't have faith in it. You know, we so often expect God to bless our lives. God bless my mess. Well, why are we in that mess? Get out of the mess. Get out of that relationship. Get out of that job. Get out of that whatever. That faith, wrong faith, that's keeping you from the real inheritance. Stop believing and name and claim it and he'll name it and claim it. Because he named it. And he claimed it for you at the cross. What is God leading you to do? By faith. God's not really going to lead you to do anything without faith involved. Because if it doesn't involve faith, what do we need him around for? Because when it involves faith, we've got to go, God, you told me this. I've got to have faith in you. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. I can't see how it's going to work, but you do, so I'm going to follow you. I think sometimes we try and live the Christian life without faith. But it's got to be by faith. Because then it's not the Christian life. It's just life with a Christian bumper sticker on it. You know, my wife made a joke the other day, like she was wearing something funny. She's like, it's like a Christian so-and-so. Like, you know, like, well, if you had to put a label on it, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be Christian. It's like, Christian yoga. Don't get offended. But it's not. You're putting a Christian label on a faith of someone else. It's not Christian anymore. The t-shirt's not Christian. It's got a Christian logo on it. <laughs> it's not Christian metal. It's 
metal that sings about Jesus, maybe. I don't know where you draw the line there, but some things you can't just put a label of faith on. Some things you can. When you look forward to the heavenly city, does the heavenly city have heavy metal? I think so. I think when, when Satan gets cast in the abyss, Striper's going to be there going, to hell with the devil! Yeah! And it's going to be awesome. I don't think anyone's going to be doing the downward dog while Satan gets thrown into heaven. Satan gets thrown into hell. I'm telling you. You can't put a Christian label on everything. And you're not going to be doing certain things in heaven. He's the downward dog. I'll tell you that much. So take courage. Look at the faith of others. Be edified. Listen to the word of God. Receive the faith and the promises that he's given you. Because how can you believe a promise if you haven't heard the promise? So hear the promise. This whole thing is a promise. This whole thing is a blessing. Don't look back. Don't go back. For 2 Corinthians 5, 7-9 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing them. So what, how do we be well-pleasing to him? By faith. And what do we have to do with our faith? We aim it. Because everyone's been given a measure of faith, the Bible says, and it's where do we put our faith? Right, sweetheart? Where do we put our faith? <laughs> In the cross, that's right. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for aiming for us, for living a perfect life for us, that you could bless us. Even the commandments that seem harsh at times were commandments to bless and not to curse, to give us a hope in the future. God, thank you for that hope in the future in heaven. God, we pray that others would receive your promise, that we'd be the mouthpiece, we'd be a cloud of witnesses for them to see, man, faith can be real. And faith can be in something that is real. God, we love you, God. Come soon, we pray. And may there be faith on the earth when you return. And may you increase the, our faith. May you give faith to others and help us to lead them to faith, we pray by your spirit, because you know you're already doing it, and we just get to come along for the ride. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.